This Talking Flutes podcast is kindly sponsored by Trevor James Flutes, making life sound beautiful. You can show them some flute love by following them on Instagram at TJ Flutes, Trevor James Flutes on Facebook, and at TrevorJamesFlutes.com. Welcome everyone, this is Talking Flutes and I'm here talking with John Paul Wright in person which is a lovely change from talking on Zoom, John Paul. Hello there. Hello, good morning to you. Good morning everybody. Now we've got still more questions which are great, we love questions. So which one should we start with? Should we start with summer breaks, Claire? Okay. Do you want me to read it? Or yeah. Do, okay, yeah. summer breaks, well, these have come in from our listeners, so this one is summer breaks. I'm worried if I don't practice for two weeks when I'm on vacation lips getting dry or burnt, and also other things. What do I do? Well, you could say that any break from regular practice will have an effect on your playing. And if, you, if we think of ourselves like athletes who train regularly to develop a very high-level performance, if that training stops, so does the development. But, always a but, it's also possible that if you train too hard for most of the year that you can develop burnout or reach a point where the improvement stops or you plateau. So I'm a great fan of having time out, days off or a holiday, which recharge your batteries. When I was younger, I didn't do that. So, and I didn't think it was very healthy. And I remember one, one summer, I remember I took a week off in August, and I felt fantastic when I came back. So yes, you, you lose a little bit of the edge, but not much. So that week soon became two weeks and soon actually became four weeks. I used to take the month of August off and I'd be so desperate to get back in September with a great sense of urgency, of enthusiasm, of motivation, of energy. And I, so I found that the time off was, you know, really kick-started everything that was good in terms of flute playing and flute practice. So... I'm a great believer in taking time out. Now, if you don't practice very regularly or consistently, then this won't have quite the same effect. But for anybody, I don't think taking a holiday is going to have a detrimental effect on your flute playing. Yeah, and how often do we actually take time out for ourselves anyway? Of playing the flute, you're either listening to this, you're either doing it as a hobby or you're doing it as a profession. And if you're doing it as a profession, then you're exactly right. It is a case of using this to completely recharge the batteries, most physically and emotionally, because that's what flute playing is. It's a, a combined well, I'll say it's a well-being uh, instrument, but it's one the way you use your physical and emotional capacities at the same time. But if you're doing it as a hobby, yeah, I reckon taking one or two weeks off is, uh, is going to affect you. Probably more sound-wise, isn't it? Because, yes, more sound-wise. Because she, this, I, I presume, and I'm awfully sorry, but I'm presuming this is a lady. She, she says, lips getting dry or burnt. So I'd imagine that's sort of sunbathing or being out in the sun. Yeah, but, you know, you can, you can buy a sunblock for your lips. I don't think that's going to be a problem. So, you know, just put sunblock on, and then there's, there's going to be no problem. And, you know, our lips get dried out in the winter with, you know, the yeah. winds and, the, and, and everything and the cold. So, you know, we have problems each part of the year. So I don't think that's necessary worry. I think we've talked a lot about mental health, and I think it's really good if you work hard during the year 
that there are, there are times in the year where you take a break. And I think it's really good for your mental health and also for the development of, of your flute playing. Did you ever get split lips in the winter? You did. Because yeah. I was, I used to, I used to get, well, right in the middle of my top lip. And I was, lots of people were using chapstick or they were mm. using Blistex or something. Something to go Blistees. Blistees, that's, that's, yeah. That's, that's, some people really don't get on with that. No, I mean, is should we flute players be u- utilising something on their lips all the time? Because when you get that big split in that lip, it really does affect you. Yes, it, it, it does. But, you know, it's not a case that if you play a lot, you'll get dry lips or play a little, you get dry lips. It's It depends on the individual. If you're susceptible for your lips to, to split occasionally, then it's going to happen. It's just something you have to have to live with. I think it might be my snoring. I think oh. I'm, a, I'm a lifelong snorer. <laughs> and that drives your lips out, so I'm told. <laughs> right, next one. Now, this is an interesting one, and one that we could probably, you and I, do a podcast completely on, which is, do you have any breathing exercises to help with relaxation or energy? Yes, interesting this one, isn't it? To mm. think that Because mostly we think of breathing exercises to help us calm down mm. and relax, not necessarily energise. Yeah. So... I think it's a bit like when, you, when you're going to play whatever piece you're playing and you have to almost put yourself into the mood of whatever it is you're about to play. So if you're playing the third mood of the Pulak Sonata, you have to be energetic right from the very first note. You have to inject energy. But if you're playing the slow movement, you have to be totally chilled and cool and calm. So I'm thinking that if you could have a, a sort of a little library of melodies that help with the feeling of being very relaxed or feeling energised that you can sort of pick on and sort of learn so you don't have to get find the music, but just, you know, just a phrase that helps you get into the mood that you want. So you can have, almost have, like having a mood board. Do you know when interior designers have, have mood boards with all the different little clippings? It might be different textures, different colours, different pictures of different bits of furniture. Well, if you could create a mood board of melodies that help you depict certain things. So yes, it could be to do with colours, it could be to do with energies or relaxation. It could be low register, it could be high register, it could be something very loud, something very soft. So you create your own mood board of, of melodies. I think that can be really very helpful. But breath control exercises, of course, come in many different forms, of course. I like a particular one where if you, without your flute, you stand with your hands on your hips, and you just start to breathe in over four beats and breathe out over four beats. Try and inhale completely over four and exhale completely over four. Then when you're doing that in a nice, controlled, relaxed way, so you're gauging how long it takes you to breathe in and out, start to change the numbers. So you might breathe in over six beats and out over four, in over eight, out over six. In over six, out over two, in over one, out over eight. And then you're controlling the way you the way you breathe. And it helps mimic the time you have to breathe in and out when you're playing. So that's a really good exercise away from your flute. I love that idea because when you're mixing the numbers, as you've just suggested, your mind is then focused on the numbers. That then doesn't allow any of your subconscious to bring any other thoughts in, which makes... In essence, this period you're doing it very relaxing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it really, it really does work. Now, if you want to do something that goes more onto the flute, I find that 
if you do things like whistle tones. Because mm-hmm. whistle tones, you only have to sort of breathe across the mouth hole. And whistle tones then, you've got to blow in a very controlled, relaxed way in order to get the whistles. And if you lose control of that breath, the whistles go. And then moving then into maybe harmonics, where you control holding certain harmonics on any given, any given note. So getting the harmonics in order, which is controlling the air speed and the air direction, and then hanging on to one of those harmonics, which is a breath control exercise. So both those exercises are really excellent. Yeah, and I, I particularly like the idea of a mood board, having a sort of playlist that you can count in your fours or your six breaths and then breathe out according to the beats of the music. So it just enables you to focus on your breath with that additional piece coming in. Yeah. So if we go back to, let's say, I'm trying to think of another fast piece. For me, I would, I'm a sucker on this one. And I use David Guetta Titanium, of all things. Because for me, there's a beat on it that's very stable. Which one, sorry? David Guetta, Titanium. And for me, there is this beat that goes, dunk, 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 throughout. And it's really motivating. But yet, if I breathe throughout the whole of the piece, I know I'm going to do it for three or four minutes. And when I finish, when that piece finishes, it is that feeling of sort of almost mini euphoria. Because I've breathed so much in yes. a very controlled way. Oh, good one. The, the other thing you can think of is if you pick, just pick a melody. I often use a Brahms symphony. That one. Now, if I were to breathe at the last possible moment, immediately you hear that I'm in the wrong energy. If I take a breath over three beats, so I make a noise so you hear, Body. I'm in a different mood. Mm-hmm. So experiment with how long you take for your breath before you start. Interesting, yeah. Which helps you create the mood that you want to play in. I would pro- probably prefer to do that simple breath, which is in and out every second for two or three minutes without music. But that is my must-go-to but I just like the pop music, like any Katy Perry one or anything that's got this really defined beat that you can then mimic with your own breath. Ultimately, it's getting air in and getting air out, but not allowing that thought to come in. And I, but I do like your, your advice for breathing, um, certainly with slow music or leading into a piece, because as long as you can keep your mind off that mischievous inner voice that speaks to us, that in itself is relaxing. So, yeah, I think that's a small answer to a really... I mean, you've been to India, so you've been, you've done yoga and meditation in India, so I'm sure you could come back, come back with some really complicated stuff, but we haven't got long enough in the podcast. No, but that's a good start. It is a good start. Right. We did cover this last week on the podcast last week, so if they'd like to come go back to it. But the question is, I have the opportunity to go to music conservatory and also university to study the flute. In other words, go to a conservatory or a university. How do I choose which? Yeah, so just briefly, because we did, we did touch on it last time. So there are various factors that you need to weigh up. What do the courses offer? How do they differ? Who are the flute tutors? Do you have a choice? Can you apply for consultation lessons? What do you want from the courses? And how does your level of playing compare with the students at the institutions? 
So if you can, these days are difficult, but go along to masterclasses or follow the, the Zoom classes if you can. Music college, don't expect to be playing lots at music college because it's so competitive. The best players are picked for performances. Sometimes, we mentioned this last week, a good route is if your level isn't high enough is go to university three, four years and then two years postgraduate at music college where you just play. But wherever you go, you've got to put in long hours of practice to achieve the right level. Going to master classes gives you an idea of what the level is. So you can hear what the first, how the first years play. So that'll be, maybe it's the year before your audition, that's the year above you. Do you think you can be of that standard? And if not, university might be a different, a, a better route. But consultation lessons, they're a good place to go to. Summer courses, another good place to go to. We have my the flute summer school I used to do, but one year we had tutors from each of the four main conservatoires in the UK. So the students that came that year could play to each one and then find out about what each college offered and how each of those teachers taught and that it made their choices much, much easier. And also they could be told, you've got no chance or you have a chance. can never say you'll get in because it's still, as we said before, it's 10 minutes audition, you know, on a day in November or December where you might have had a horrible journey, you might have a cold, you know, something bad might have happened in your personal life and then you've got to perform for those 10 minutes. So it's, it's difficult, but, you know, we all, we all have to go through that. I'm thinking of somebody along the same lines like Harry. Harry Winstanley, who went to Cambridge and did music at Cambridge and then went to the Royal Academy and did a postgrad there yes. and is now with the English Chamber Orchestra. So it, it, there is never rule out going to university first. No, it, it's, it's not a second choice. It's an equal choice. The, what's, what's important is how much work you put in. If you get the right teacher and you put in the hours of practice and you have the ability, you will achieve and you can postgrad back at a music college. And so many people I work with have done that route. It's as, as good a route as music college. And I know a lot of people at music college who are not they're towards the bottom of the pile mm-hmm. and they're not getting the playing because all the best players get the playing, get the opportunities. It's, it's quite cutthroat. It's, it's a harsh lesson. So unless you're a tough cookie, do you think it, it, it could be better for you to... And you, I think your gut will know whether you, you should go to music college or conservatory or, or university. I think your gut tells you, doesn't it? But do you think for a lot of people it could be more beneficial to go to a university and then aim to postgrad? Yeah, there are lots of, lots of reasons why, but it could just be maturity. You know, three years older better able to cope with the the sort of hardships of, of auditioning. You know, it's, it's gruelling. And so it's, it could be definitely a better route for some people. And not going to music college to do your degree doesn't preclude you from being a world-class musician later no. on in your life. You, wherever you go for your further education does not make or break you as a flute player. It's what you do. I like that. Should we call that as a, that's the title of the podcast, because uh, that's exactly right, isn't it? Yeah. Should we move on to another question? Okay. Right. This is one for you. How do you set practice objectives and targets? Where do you start? Do I need to do it on an Excel spreadsheet? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with a spreadsheet. You know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a lover of spreadsheets, but I think here for targets and objectives think about your short and long-term goals 
because they're different. So long-term could be a particular performance, learning a particular piece, an exam, an audition, or, or even just finishing a study book. And short-term goals could be getting your finger technique faster, getting your single tongue faster, clearer, changing colours, improving breath control. So maybe write down your strengths and weaknesses, work out what you need to improve for each area of technique and incorporate that into each practice session. Be methodical. I'm, I'm a great methodical worker. I like to write lists and work through. So I need to know what areas of each thing I'm playing is not working so well so, so I can practice it. If you're intending to take up the flute professionally, you've got to treat your practice like a job. But as we're all indiv- individuals, we all have to determine our own objectives. Really, that sort of sums it up. Yeah, I'm a great believer in marginal gains. Don't, in other words, if you highlight a weakness, don't spend all your time on that weakness because you'll, you'll lose on your strengths, won't you? Yes, yeah. And if you improve every area of your technique by a percent overall you increase by much much more yeah spreadsheets are good just to keep you in touch but ultimately you uh, you have to set realistic and small objectives and targets that when you take as a whole compound to a greater realistic targets realistic targets so if you've been playing for a couple of years and say i want to play uh, the liebman concerto in a year's time you're going to fail (laughs) <laughs> yes. that's a challenge for someone isn't it <laughs> <laughs> isn't it just isn't it just well Claire I think we've come to the end of we, we don't do seasons we sort of we do a podcast every week don't we and uh, normally we take our summer off we take four to five weeks to ourselves just to regroup and to refocus and to chill but this year we're going to do something very different and it's probably requested by people that have come come to Talking Flutes later. And bearing in mind, we're in the podcasts, well, into the 170s now, aren't we? So it's a lot of podcasts to catch up on. So we've decided to do something different, haven't we? Yes, we're going to sort of revisit some of our earlier podcasts. And there, I mean, there are so many to choose from. But for me, uh, son Joe, who's a psychiatrist, yep. he did a really good one on how to prevent burnout. Yep. And um, maybe some of the interpretation ones. Yes. Or practice, how to practice. Or even, you know, what study books to pick or what repertoire to pick. We're going to look through them and find the sort of the ones that work best. Yes, and there's some popular ones and we're going to look at the analytics and see which one are the popular ones. Because, you know, if you start, if you go back from 100 back... Oops, excuse me, I just hit my microphone. But if you go back from 100 back, there's some really, really good podcasts there. It's, it's unusual for people to start at the modern day and then go all the way back to one. So, yeah, we're going to spend the next few weeks, we're not going to take a break, but we're going to revisit some of the popular podcasts that we've done and also those that we enjoyed making with some guests so as you say joe some is a great idea i did one a couple of weeks ago or no it was this week wasn't it with jose Gualo that i did two years ago that was on improvisation and it was it was lovely to listen to that again so yep you're not we're not going to be disappearing from the airways we're going to be revisiting some of our favorite old podcasts and we'll be back in september won't we we will after our break where we'll be motivated, engaged, enthusiastic, raring to go. 
And she's looking at me very sternly then. Yes, of course I'll be motivated and I'll be raring to go. And yeah, well, it's been lovely to actually finally catch up after lockdown and be nice to get a few podcasts done today. Uh, thank you once again for inviting me to your beautiful house. And your dogs have been incredibly well behaved. They have been very well behaved, haven't they? And let's not forget that if you've got any uh, topics you'd like us to cover or questions you'd like to ask, do write in at flutepodcasts at gmail.com. We also have designated Facebook page. We do, I keep forgetting about that. You do, Talking Flutes, and you can send messages on there as well. But, you know, we're very happy to talk about any topics that you, you might be interested in, so please write in. And I don't think the builders were as noisy this session, were they? No, they've gone for lunch. (laughs) And that's indeed where I have to go to. That's where we're going to as well. Claire, thank you so much for your time. We really do look forward to coming back after our summer holiday, but without being afraid of taking time off. Absolutely. Uh, So have a wonderful summer and take care. May your next few weeks be musically fulfilling and may your low C be especially out of tune that's wrong isn't it (laughs) that's in my case out of tune in tune goodbye all Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.